Hey everybody, Josh Sigurdsson of World Alternative Media here, and we're joined by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD, someone that we literally just had on a few days ago. But, you know, we have so many interesting stories hitting the news right now, and I don't want to go into it by myself. There's someone who does this for a living. So I wanted to talk with Kirk a little bit about some of the recent stories we're hearing, and I'm going to just jump uh, right into the stories right after I, I let you guys know, of course, as always, make sure to check those links below Kirk Elliott, phd.com slash wham. And then you could uh, get physical gold and silver. You could turn over into a physical gold IRA. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you could do. And of course there, you get a bunch of free special reports and there are, um, there's a sheet that you could sign up and schedule a phone call with Kirk. So I cannot start without mentioning that. But with that said, without further ado, I have a story that just came out about a man by the name of Colonel Douglas McGregor, who was on a, a show by Patrick Bet Davis, many or David, you probably heard of him before. And um, this Colonel was saying that he does not believe that we're gonna make it to the 2024 election without a major uh, banking crisis. He actually thinks that we'll see banks go down for two to three weeks. Now, I'm not sure about that length of time, However, he's not alone in saying this. I mean, we're seeing news out of Zero Hedge. Soaring UK inflation leads to record deposit run. And we are seeing a massive run on banks that people aren't reporting right now. And it seems like we're about to see this snowball a lot. Kirk, um, what do you think? I mean, in the face of what we previously saw earlier this year, um, there's a lot of concern that we're going to see this happen you know, twice as hard next time um, if we do see something as major as that again, which I believe we will. Um, what do you think about banks going down for a period of a week, two weeks, three weeks? Is this possible? And what do you think the implications would be? Um, so look at the mayhem that, that came from five banks failing, mm -hmm. right? Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, Silvergate Bank, uh, Credit Suisse, and First Republic. It, it caused a firestorm globally, right? And it started to spread. That contagion went to Deutsche Bank and others, and, and they basically provided more stimulus. Mm -hmm. They said no government bailouts, but we're going to do bail-ins. So the government's not going to be on the, on the hook for any of this garbage. It's going to be the depositors, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why people need to be really concerned about the banks that they're in, because you don't want your deposits to go away because you picked a failing institution for your funds to be at, and then you have to bail them out, right? So, yeah. so, but two weeks ago, Martin Weiss at Weiss Ratings said, oh, no, we, we have more than five banks that are going to fail. In fact, we have a list of 4,243 that are on the verge of failure. So here's where even if he's the worst prognosticator on the planet, right? And yeah. he's 99% wrong. That's still 43 banks. That's much greater than five. But 4,243 is absolutely huge. So why would we say that there's this many that are going to fail? Well, there's there's only a few reasons why bank fails. Number one, their investments aren't doing good. Well, what do they invest in? The same thing you and I would. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, companies, and real estate. They're, they're doing the same thing just with your money. So here's the fallacy of banking. When when people all the time, they'll call me and say, Kirk, I listened to you and I got out of the stock market. I got out of the bond market. And I'm just sitting cash at the bank. It's like, you're not sitting in cash. They're investing in the same thing that you just got out of. They're just hiding the fact and giving you this, this slip, this deposit slip, and this basically uh, 
transaction ledger that says, yeah, you should have X number of dollars in your bank account. And they're hoping and praying and crossing their fingers thinking, oh, I hope not everybody comes and asks for their money out on the same day, right? Because they don't have it. In fact, they've got 0% on hand by, by federal reserve regulations. So this is where the bank failures are about to hit the skids. And I think you're gonna see more and more and more. Um, now, whether the banks are shut down for two to three weeks, uh, I don't know. But what would cause that, right? What would cause something for that to happen? It would have to be a cataclysmic fail and it would have to be a change in the monetary system that they're saying, okay, we got to regroup. We have to reprogram. We have to fix it. Well, oddly enough, that just happened on July 1st. I mean, the, this is one of the biggest news stories of the year that I don't think hardly anybody's going to cover it because they don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it took me numerous times and calling numerous bankers and people that I know to actually understand exactly what is happening. But on July 1st, LIBOR, the London Interbank Offering Rate, which is the interest rate that basically is the baseline rate of everything in the world, right? So banks lending money from other banks, countries lending money from other countries, countries lending money from banks, your mortgage rates, your car rates, your credit card rates, all have LIBOR as the base. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you add a premium. So you're going to add a premium for what's your credit score? How bad of a risk are you? How long is the loan you're looking at? Is it a five-year car loan or a 15-year or 30-year mortgage? The longer the duration, the less of a chance are that you're going to actually be able to pay that off. And what are you investing into? Is it a company that you need capital for inventory? pretty safe. Is it a startup company that you just need money to borrow from? It's like, oh, unsafe. Is it is it money to, to live on a personal loan, right? So all of those factors go into what's your rate going to be? Well, it's all tied to LIBOR, which is tied to the US dollar. Mm -hmm. See, the LIBOR is, is basically what happens when we were the world's reserve currency. Right. right. All these all these rates all over the country, all over the world, whatever country you are tied to the same rate, which is tied to the U.S. dollar. No more. As of July 1st, that that system retired and it was replaced with something called SOFR. I think it's, it stands for the simple overnight funding. rate. Right. So so what is what is that? Right. So this is where things change. And it's actually the last cog in the US dollars, the world's reserve currency, it just got pulled out, right? Because this basically then says, all countries are going to get rates based on the asset value of their country. So it's it's called the risk-free rate. So let's say that you're the BRICS nations. And what do you what have you got? We've got all these countries with which are basically amassing their arsenal with thousands or hundreds of tons of gold, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a manufacturing base, you've got agriculture, you've got all this stuff. So therefore, you've got a lot of assets backing any loan that you might have, you're going to get a lower rate than somebody like Papua New Guinea. Yeah, that is nothing, right? It's like, good grief, one of the poorest countries on the planet, chances of them actually paying off a loan are pretty slim. Therefore, they're going to get a higher rate, right? Well, where does the United States fall into this? It's like, what do we have? 
what what asset base do we have? I mean, we have our people, which are the most amazing people on the planet, right? Most ingenuity, most creativity. We've got oil and gas that we can't actually really get to (laughs) because you've got refinery capacity that's limited because of the environmentalist lobby. You've got no fracking because of the environmentalist lobby. You can't really drill much more in the Gulf or in the Arctic because of the environmentalist lobby or you can't put up a rig because it, it might interfere with a moose migration pattern. It's like, wait a second. I thought these environmentalists thought that animals were amazing and smart. I, I happen to believe that animals are smarter than what the environmentalists are giving them credit for. Yeah. If a moose sees a oil rig in front of them, they're going to turn to the right or the left and go yeah. around it and yeah. keep going. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but, but we can't drill. So therefore we've handcuffed ourselves to productivity moving forward. Right. So, so what do we have to offer? Not an awful lot. So therefore our rates are going to be higher because not only did we lose our reserve currency status with countries leaving the petrodollar, we just lost this bigger issue of, of all loans being tied, pegged to the U.S. dollar. That's the last cog, right? But yeah. now to me, to me, Josh, countries leaving the petrodollar is the quick, swift kick in the butt, right? This other thing is going to be like the slow downward grind, mm-hmm. right? Because we still have exports that we're exporting. And so other countries need the US dollar to pay for that. So therefore, but as we lose this status, it's going to be the slow downward grind added to the massive impact of a country no longer using the dollar for all oil settlements. And what did we just do? We just basically lost our status as the world's reserve currency. When that happens, we are going to be forced to print more money because there's no capital inflow coming in, which is going to cause interest rates to go even higher. But wait a second, we're going to have higher interest rates because of this new SOFR system that just said rates aren't going to be tied to this London interbank offer rate anymore, which is tied to the US dollar. It's going to be something different tied to you get a rate that's not risk-free anymore if you don't have a risk-free country, right? So what determines risk? Your asset base. This all just happened on July 1st. Now, all of that happened under this umbrella of ISO 20022, which is the new system. You view that as the big communication umbrella between countries, between banks, between everything. Like right now we have the SWIFT system, which is the messaging board between banks so they know how to wire money. That's an archaic system based on the clearinghouse model that's about 50 years old Mm -hmm. that the Fed designed. You can't have a central bank digital currency under that clearinghouse model. So for years now, they've been working on this new system. It just became live. We're not talking about down the road. We're thinking of doing this way. It became live on July 1st. And so if you Google um, SOFR versus LIBOR, you're going to come up with tons of banks that now have their policies in place. Say the last day of June, June 30th, we're switching how our rates for our loans that we're going to give are going to be recalculated. Mm-hmm. So there, if, if you have a loan that originated before like six months ago, well, you, you, you kind of grandfathered in until that loan expires and then you go to the new rate. Anything new? Mm-hmm goes to this new system, higher rates. Man, Josh, people can't afford the rates that they have right now. Yeah. And they're going to be higher. 
right? So here's where all of this needed to be done. ISO 20022 needed to be done to actually transact business in a digital world, right? Because you can't have cryptocurrencies that are trading back and forth internationally without a risk-free rate model, because mm -hmm. some of them are going to have a higher rate. Why would you give somebody that's operating in a cryptocurrency the same rate as you would a sovereign government, right? You generally shouldn't, but now under the new system, they don't have to. So here's where we're no longer in the driver's seat. This is a game changer for, for banks and, and the interest rate that everybody is going to get that lives in our country. And I, I would say in pretty short order, we're going to start seeing that. So this was a very long answer to your very short question of, do I think there's going to be more banks that fail? hundred percent. And I believe there's going to be a lot of them because as they change systems, which might be why they have to shut down banks for a little bit to integrate into a new system, right? Um, you're going to have people that their adjustable rate mortgages, their, their credit card payments all of a sudden go up because we're no longer the reserve currency, right? So so the chances of them paying that off when they can't afford to pay it off now, it's going to be bonkers. I, I don't know how that's going to work out, but I don't believe it's going to be good. Yeah, it's absolutely insane, Kirk. And, and you know, this is why I have you on, because you are very insightful and you could go into this in detail. Um, this is huge news. And, you know, this is happening at the same time as we have... Um, over at the treasury of man by the name of Graham Steele, a, a treasury official saying that the digital dollar may trigger a bank run into uh, CBDCs. We have obviously the IMF trying to launch a global CBDC. We have um, the United Nations trying to create a digital ID that is attached to our bank account, which we've gone into many times before. But you mentioned interest rates and there's something I wanted to bring up with this, um, which is that we recently got word from the Federal Reserve uh, in a note, uh, as it says over on Zero Hedge, Ander Perez Orive and Yannick uh, Timmer reveal that an unprecedented number of distressed companies could collapse due to a recent increase in uh, interest rates. According to their analysis, more than one third, 37 percent of non-financial U.S. companies are in financial distress. The share of non-financial firms in financial distress has reached a level that is higher than most uh, than, than during most previous tightening episodes since the 1970s. The reason I bring this up is because, you know, not only do we see the distress among the businesses, but then the people that are employed there are already dealing with inflation. They're already dealing with all these problems trying to afford day-to-day -day life. When we see all these businesses going under, and I see them all over my neighborhood, everywhere I go, um, you're going to have an echo effect that's going to last a very long time after. So not only do we have this um, move into a new world reserve currency, the CBDC is a collapse of the banks, but we have people who literally cannot afford basic things. Uh, a couple months ago, McDonald's closed all of their American offices. Now, it sounds like a McDonald's issue, but it's, it's a lot bigger because it's the cheapest, junkiest food you could find. And now even the homeless can't you know, actually get McDonald's and now they're starting to shift into something else, something big's happening. So when we see all these distressed businesses, the echo effect on the consumer, the echo effect on, you know, the average person when they're just trying to get along in their life and pay for things and, you know, uh, get a job, whatever it might be, uh, kind of go into, you know, that kind of effect, because this isn't just a small business thing. This is much wider of, a, of an issue. Well, there's, there's always a domino effect, right? Mm -hmm. Always, always, always. You know, when, like, for example, in real estate, when you see commercial real estate start to hit the skids, what's going to follow? Residential, 
because when commercial real estate hits the skids, you know that people aren't working. Um, and so when they're not working, they're not making income. When they're not making income, they can't afford a house. So that's there. So that's the cause and effect in real estate. What we're seeing right now is it, with interest rates on the rise, companies can't get loans. The, the banks are strapped for capital. They can't, some companies can't even get loans for inventory. But if you can't get a, a short-term inventory loan because they don't have the capital to expand, then they'll have nothing to sell. And, and major construction get... companies can't even get loans to buy a, or to build a skyscraper, whereas previously they say they've built 40 of them already. And there's there's no opening in the market for such a thing. Yeah, I mean, even, even at the bank where we bank at, I was meeting with the president of the bank and, and a couple of the officers last week. Um, they're no longer giving out home equity lines, haven't for for a, a while here now, but construction loans too. Not, I mean, you can't really get one. So what does that mean? If there's no new construction, if you're a home builder, that there's a problem. They're trying to show that home sales, that, you know, things that are existing are actually selling. So, but that's, that's a stupid idea because that's one of the foundational things of America is people grow, they get jobs, they buy houses, right? So cause and effect, this is this is a bad thing. When people aren't, when the economy as a whole, I know that the trickle-down economics got a bad rap during the Reagan administration, right? But it's real and it's awesome, right? As the economy, as the tide rises, you're going to have corporate America that makes more money. When they make more money, it's because they're more profitable, they have to hire more people. That's the trickle-down effect. Does everyone not want a trickle-down effect? Does everybody want everybody equally poor? Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what the um, AOCs of the world would want to tell you. But, but well, see, that's what the people that would say Stalinist Russia was great because they had great education. Yeah, well, except for everyone who's on train tracks starving to death. If you ever read Dr. Zavago, it was a great book. I urge everyone to read it. I mean, people were starving to death, but everyone had great education, so don't worry about it. That isn't the kind of equality that anyone wants. We want equal opportunity, not equal results. Yeah, well, uh, th this is absolutely true. And you, you've got these, the the current administration, the Biden administration is wanting this kind of equally poor for, for all, right? It's not, mm -hmm. their utopia is not equally wealthy. It's It's equally poor. This is the effect of command and control, communist, fascist policies, on our lives, on our choices, on our bank accounts, on everything. Well, those are stupid ideas. Well, one of the most stupid ideas I've heard in a long time came out this morning. So Biden was talking about blocking the sun. I saw it's that. Like, I mean, did you see that? I mean, yeah. so the implications of this are, hey, the, the, the world is, is warming up. We have global warming. So if we can block the sun, we can cool the earth down over a few years. How are they going to do it? They want to spray toxic sulfur aerosol into the atmosphere, but above the clouds. So as that stuff comes down and, and then it makes the top of the clouds reflective and it goes back into space. Yeah. But wait a second. I thought aerosol was a bad thing and it caused global warming. Oh, but that's only if it's under the clouds, right? But we don't know what the real ramifications are here when you pretend to be God and take the act, acts of God into your own hands and change the climate of the world forever with toxic chemicals. It's like, 
Well, we what? already know, Kirk, that, you know, aluminum, barium and strontium being spread into the atmosphere. Even Bill Gates has gone on television before and said it's a bad idea after previously promoting it. Um, it, it causes a huge rate in Alzheimer's. It causes huge amounts of um, autoimmune disorders. Perfect. Now everyone's sick and, and now they can go and depend on the system better. That's one way to stimulate the economy, I guess. Well, if everyone's sick, they can just create more vaccines to help heal yeah. everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're seeing all this kind of weird stuff, but you then this weekend, like last weekend, it was a crazy weekend going into the 4th of July week, right? So, so we've, you and I have spoken about the BRICS nations rising up, wanting to usurp the US dollars, the world's reserve currency, speculated that they're going to have their BRICS currency backed by gold, right? Because they've said such things, but it's never been a dogmatic statement. This is what we are going to do until this weekend. So the Russian embassy, their official Russian embassy Twitter page, tweeted with a picture of their emissaries. And it's like the BRICS nations are actually going to back their currency with gold. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, official statement from the official page of the Russian embassy, right? Okay. And they're one of the BRICS nations. So this actually coincides with something that I've been following for, for a few weeks now. And this is the, the meeting that the BRICS nations are having in South Africa on August 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, which is what? We don't know. However, what they're doing is they're inviting over 60 heads of state to this meeting in Durban, South Africa. So Imagine this, the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, if you're going to have some kind of a big shindig event to make some grand announcement, wouldn't you have it in one of the biggest cities of the biggest countries, either in maybe Shanghai or Moscow? Mm -hmm. Well, no, they're having it in South Africa, the smallest of the BRICS nations countries, and they're not even having it in one of their crown jewel type cities in Johannesburg or Cape Town. They're having it in Durban, South Africa. So the symbolism in this and the messaging, I think, is is quite symbolic, right? Where South Africa, the largest gold producing country in the world, Durban has the is the location of the largest gold mine in the world, the Durban Deep Mine. So they're having this meeting about their BRICS nations currency in the country that's the largest gold mining country in the world that's in the city of the largest gold mine in the world. I don't think that's coincidental. And you add that to, to the comments that you just said, right? Where it's like, man, something is coming. Something big is coming. This all news just came out this weekend, right? And so it, it actually, Josh, and I know you feel the same. I hate it when I'm right, but I, but I love it that I'm right because we're helping a lot of people. But these things are going to be the death of the U.S. dollar. I wish I weren't right. I, I I really wish that I weren't right, but the trend is too big. You've got 110 countries that are all moving towards central bank digital currency. The BRICS nations are too far down the runway um, in wanting to usurp the U.S. dollar. Now that the LIBOR, you know, London Interbank origination rate is done and no longer pegged to the dollar, and pegged to the country's assets that's getting the loan. No wonder the BRICS nations, they knew that this thing was coming. Banks knew that this was coming. They've been working on how to, how to mer merge from one system to another for like a year now. 
So it's like, why not start amassing thousands of tons of gold, build up our asset base. So by default, we're going to get lower loan rates for us and our people where other countries aren't going to be able to get that. That gives them a competitive edge, right? Everything that they're doing is economics 101 warfare at its finest. They're playing a really good job at this one, and we're not. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kirk. And I know you have to get going right away because you're a busy guy. But, you know, we see this happening across the board. France was begging to join uh, in on the conference in August for BRICS. Uh, you know, we see Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates. That's the end of the dollar. I don't think anyone could really even debate that at this point. We've already lost. The, with everyone that's trying to join, it's a population of 6.6 .6 billion people worldwide in all the countries combined that are looking to join BRICS. And, um, I, you know, all of at this point we have to do is to prepare for ourselves and prepare for our families and what comes next, because this will be one of the worst, what they call beast systems in the world, because what we're going to have to deal with is not being able to have access to our money unless we support the current thing. And Klaus Schwab said at the world economic forum, that China is a role model for the great reset. If we're looking at a huge financial reset across the board, it's time for people to wake up and see, this is exactly what is happening and it's it's right in front of our eyes and they're telling us that they're doing it so for that reason i urge people again to go to kirk elliott phd.com wham and actually go and do something about this today you get a whole bunch of free special reports but get physical gold and silver you could turn over into a gold ira you know you could you could uh you know, make changes to your 401k, 403b, checking savings, brokerage accounts, etc. It's all there. And all you have to do is sign up on that sign up sheet for a call with uh, Dr. Elliot. Um, finishing it off, can you tell our viewers why it would be why it's so important that they take something like this seriously and, and look to, you know, work with someone like yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time when stocks make sense when you have a president or a Congress that lowers taxes, lowers interest rates, and creates jobs. That'll cause the stock market to boom. We have a current administration where it's exactly the opposite. When you have an opposite policy, you're going to have an opposite outcome. So what we're doing is we're reestablishing, reconfiguring people's portfolios just by simply taking the money that you've worked so hard your whole life to accumulate and just repositioning them into an asset that's growing because of strong fundamental reasons rather than shrinking, right? So number one goal to successful investing, something's going down, get out of it as soon as you can. If something's going up, get into it as soon as you can. Right. Minimize your risk, maximize your return. So when we do that, this is how we help you navigate through that. We'll hold your hand through the economy. So one of the things that differentiates us from, from every other advisor on the planet in this space, right, is is we care about the relationship that most firms are transactionally based. Commission when you buy, commission when you sell, they forget about you in between. To me, we, there is no commission when you liquidate. Mm -hmm. we, we don't charge anything, right? So we want that to be all yours. We won't take any of it. We don't charge fees for assets under management. The only time there's a cost of ownership is when you purchase, but then we want to have a lifetime relationship with you um, to, because these economies are getting crazy and they're going to get weirder and worse and cataclys cataclysmically bad yeah. as, as stock markets, bond markets implode, as banks fail, right? And as countries leave the petrodollar. I mean, this is all happening right underneath our nose. So, but you don't have to operate out of fear. You can have wisdom, discernment, sound mind, faith, be in the right place at the right time, put a smile on your face. That's what we will help people do. 
Well, I appreciate you as always coming on, Kirk, and I urge people to check that link in the description. Uh, you know, this, the news you're bringing us, which no one else is really talking about right now, is scary, but there are solutions, and I urge people to really take that seriously going forward. This is the time to shine, my friends, not tomorrow, today. So I appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. We'll see ya.